conversation brought to you by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer, and today I have the absolute privilege of speaking with Jen Rosenbaum. Hi, Hi Jen. Hi. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank <laughs> Thanks for you. having me. I mean that when I say absolute privilege. Oh, thank you. That's sincere, uh, which is always the dead giveaway that it's not, right? When, <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> No, really, I really mean it. <laughs> When somebody says, you have to convince no, this me. is sincere, or when somebody says, I just want to be completely transparent, then you know that they're, they're as fake as it gets, right? <laughs> I just outed myself. So let, let's move on be, beyond my crud and tell me a little bit about who you are. Sure. I am, well, I'm Jen and I'm a boudoir photographer right. from New York. Right. Um, and I've been photographing women in boudoir for about nine years now. It's all I do. I don't shoot anything else. Just that. Just that. Pretty much from day one, there was a couple little accidents where I fell into like a small wedding by accident. <laughs> and, um, but you, you know, mean you showed up and, oh, this is a wedding. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> They actually hired me and I pretty accidentally to took that. it. Yeah, pretty yeah. close to that. Um, but it, um, I, I really didn't enjoy it from the beginning. So when I discovered photography um, with women and, and boudoir pretty early on, I knew mm -hmm. this is all I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. so no, And no portraits or anything either? Like, um, No. Just, just I mean, boudoir? Just boudoir, yeah. That's you're, it. That's why you're the expert. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, in fact, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law asked me to take their engagement photos one day. And I was like, wait, that's like two people and four eyes. Like, I, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, actually, they turned out okay. But I was like, thank you for the reminder of why I hate this so much. Why you, why you only do, you're very niched. Yes, I'm very, very niched. And really, it's because, dare I say, it's really not about the photography keep going okay it's really about the women it's about women's empowerment it's about right. um you know lifting women up and connecting with women and the healing power of photography mm. and uh it it's important to take a good photo i can certainly you know teach and tell everybody how to take a good photo but it's not a really about the photography it's about the experience with them and the experience that they have in front of the camera that's really what changes them and empowers them and then the photos are the souvenir of that what does that look like before we get into our official topic, let's yeah. spring off of this a little bit. <laughs> sure. What is it what does it look like? What is empowerment? How does empowerment manifest itself? Sure. With In what you with what you're doing. I really believe that it comes from the fact that women are stepping outside their comfort zone and doing something sort of that they see as maybe a little rebellious. Mm. Um, yeah, like a taboo type of thing. Yeah, you know, it's right. it's um, and it's nerve wracking. It's scary to mm -hmm. take your clothes off for somebody and have pictures taken, right. no matter how confident you are. Right. Um, and that's really where the change comes because when they do something out of their comfort zone like that and they have a great time doing it and they mm. feel good, mm -hmm. then what happens is they go out in their real world again, a changed person. Yeah. And then when their boss treats them like crap or their boyfriend isn't nice to them, they go, you know what? I don't need you. I don't need this. I'm going to go do something different. So I've seen women come back to me, you know, a month later, even to see their pictures or to pick up an album. And they're like, I've lost 10 pounds since I saw you. Because, Is that right? Because I'm, they, they feel more worthy now, you know, like they're taking care of themselves or I broke up with my boyfriend or I'm moving cross country. Or I'm taking a risk. It doesn't happen to everybody that dramatically, right. but there's a lot of small things that happen and big things that happen when women start stepping out of their comfort zones and really pushing themselves. Where do you think the bulk of the nerves come from? Um, I mean, I have never met a woman on this planet that really 
loves herself the way that she should okay. and, and feels comfortable in her skin the way that she should, the way yeah. we all see her. And when I say should, I, I hate to kind of say that because it's like, you know, societal expectations. Right. But um, what I'm trying to say to them is, listen, when you know, when you look in the mirror, you see all the negative things or the things you perceive as negative. Yeah. When we look at you, we see all the positive things, and right. the things we love about you. Uh, and sometimes they're actually the same thing. Yeah. So those little quirks that we sometimes think, you know, oh, mm. I hate this is what we actually love about you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that that's really where it comes from. That's beautiful. Thanks. We're going, what we're going to talk about is the healing power of photography. Yeah. Tell me what that means for you. So I actually got into photography because I was looking for healing and I, I really didn't, um, realize that at first that it was going to be that way. But, um, back when I started in photography, uh, my husband had bought a camera for me. I, you know, I I had a daughter, I was a stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. My daughter was about three and my husband bought me a camera because I said to him, you know, I was an art student. I used to draw how hard can taking a picture be, right? Like so dumb. Right. Um, yeah, I want to go back and smack that woman sometimes. Um, (laughs) you know, but come on, I can figure out how to use a camera. What's the big deal? Um, and so he bought, me he went out he researched he bought me a nikon uh d80 mm-hmm. and he gave me the camera and i was so excited <laughs> and i picked it up and i didn't shockingly i had no idea how to use it You're like, so, oh, wait a second <laughs> yeah and i was like this is a little harder than i thought <laughs> so uh i put the camera down and i just i was busy with my daughter and yeah. i didn't really have time to figure it out and then um we were trying to have another baby mm-hmm. and um the first time i got pregnant after my daughter i had had a miscarriage at around mm-hmm. 12 weeks mm-hmm. and i was okay with it you know it happens it's normal and i know i can get pregnant and it's, you know right. it's, it's good it'll, it'll be fine and then um about two months later, I got pregnant again, and I ended up having an ectopic pregnancy, and I was traveling when that happened. I don't know what that is. Okay, an ectopic pregnancy is when the baby actually, instead of um, planting in the uterus, it plants in your fallopian tube. Oh, um, And okay. it's very dangerous, because as the baby grows, your tube ruptures, right. and so that's what happened to me, and the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on, so this was, days had gone by. I came back to New York, and I saw my doctor, and my doctor, I will never forget the words, as long as I live, got on the phone with me, because she sent me somewhere else to have radiology and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, um, Jen, you had a fallopian pregnancy that ruptured four days ago and you've been internally bleeding since then. And if you don't have surgery in the next half an hour, you're going to die. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that happened. So (laughs) I was like, okay, well then I'll go have surgery. You know, like when you're in the moment, it's like, okay, well fine, let's Mm -hmm. save my life and then we'll deal with what happens after. So what was happening was, um, you know, you know me well enough to know I'm a pretty upbeat, positive person, yes, right? Absolutely. But this period of my life started getting really complicated. Like, if you can't, as a woman, if you can't protect children in your own body, mm. then are you, you know, what are you doing? What is your body doing? Is it turning mm. against you? Is it, mm. um, you know, what it, it made me question my femininity. It made me question a lot of things. Um, and at the time I had a lot of friends that were having another baby yeah. and it was really difficult for me. Um, I was happy for them, but it was difficult for me to be present with them. Of course. So the camera, yeah. I decided one day my daughter was in nursery school. I was by myself. I was feeling blue. And I said, you know what? Enough of this. I'm just, I'm going to teach myself how to take pictures because mm. if I do that, it'll distract me from what's going on. Okay. And it also allowed me to show up at events like baby namings and parties and things of that nature for kids. And I had my camera. So it was like I was there, but I didn't really have to engage necessarily. So it was sort of like my protection. Interesting. From what was going on in the world. I so, get it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, interestingly enough, um, it, 
it also allowed me to see happiness in people and joy in people that I wasn't necessarily experiencing in my life at the time. So you were kind of watching mm-hmm. that happen from yeah. behind this protective shield yes. that was your camera. Yes. And you were there. Yes. But you didn't have to be like on your A game or whatever. Correct. I didn't have to be involved in the conversations of like, oh, having two kids is so hard <laughs> and I'm not sleeping at night mm. and I wanted to be like, shut up. You know, like all I want is another kid. What are you talking about? I, I remember my wife going through the same stuff because we didn't have kids for a long time. Yeah. But so all our friends' kids are like graduating from high right, school right, right. now. We're, we're late to the game. Yeah. But I remember back in those days, we'd sit around with people and she would she would just leave yeah. like devastated. Like I don't, I can't hear this stuff anymore. Yeah. And people say stupid things and they say it out of love, right? Like <laughs> Jen, when are you having another one? Yeah. You know, and you want to yeah. be like, I'm trying, leave yeah. me alone. Right. Um, but the interesting it. thing is also, um, when, when I was pregnant, when I had, um, the miscarriage first, yeah. I was showing, I, I, cause you know, I'm a kind of a tiny so girl. People knew. people knew, even though we didn't tell anybody, like, okay. people would say to me, so what's right. up? And I'm like, nothing. You know, I just <laughs> had a hamburger for lunch. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so people knew, so there really wasn't any hiding it necessarily. And what I found that was so interesting and I sort of put two and two together later on was like, I openly told people that I had had a miscarriage. And after that, a lot of people kind of whispered in my ear, I had one too. I had one too. And I was like, how come nobody's really talking about this? Why is there this shame shame. surrounding it? Right. A lot of shame in that. Um, so long story short, I, I remember sitting at a table one day and putting down a glass and taking a picture and then moving a knob and taking another picture and oh. moving the knob again, yeah. just kind of learning what the knobs did and how right. they affected the images. And I, again, I started coincidentally, somebody I knew was like, oh, I, I marry people, you know, in, in New York City that come for elopements. Maybe you want to come and take some pictures of them. And I was like, sure, I'll get out of the house. Whatever. <laughs> so stupid. I really was so dumb. I had no idea what I was doing. And um, about, you know, but then I was a wedding photographer, right? Okay. Like I shot like what, four weddings. You were um, a wedding photographer. But I was a wedding photographer. So I convinced my husband I needed a better camera. Why not? <laughs> this is just how I roll. So <laughs> I, he ended up surprising me with a D700. And the reason why this is important. He's a good man. Who is this guy? Yeah, he's a good guy, right? <laughs> Anyone listening is going to be like, I want that guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> So the reason that this is valid is because I had another friend who was also dabbling in photography Mm. and uh, two sisters had hired her to do a boudoir shoot. And she called me and said to me, Jen, I need you to come with me and help me. But the truth is she really didn't need my help. What she told me was she needed my camera because I had a better camera than she did. (laughs) So Make sure you bring your camera. Yes, correct. So that decision was actually a life changing decision to get a new camera. Because that's when you first experienced... That's when I first experienced Boudoir. Okay. And I went with her and we shot these two sisters and, you know, I knew nothing back then, Mm -hmm. thank God, because we walked into this hotel room that was yellow from ceiling to floor. (laughs) We had no lights. We, I mean, we really had no idea what we were doing. And, but I loved it. I loved it. Oh my God. I, I ran home to my husband and I said to him, I know what I want to be when I grow up. Really? And he was like, what do you mean? Like you're raising our daughter. And I was like, no, I want to be a boudoir photographer Mm. and I'm changing our bedroom into a studio today. And I called all my girlfriends and I was like, whoever loves me will take her clothes off for me. And let me shoot you and put you up on a website. And 48 hours later I had a website and that was it. I was a boudoir photographer. Bam. Boom. And your husband was good with it. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was until, um, you know, I had like 48 different lights in our bedroom and 12 right. backdrops. And I was like, don't, you can't touch that. You know, that's for work. You and he has a breaking point. Correct. <laughs> um, so that took about three years, though. He was, he was very good. So what, 
what else has happened? I mean, I know I'll just let you talk. I don't, yeah. I'm not even going to speak. Okay. Right so, now. well, let me tell you a little bit about maybe since we're talking about the healing power of photography, right. how at that, at that time working with women really healed me because, um, I realized that as a, as a woman, we walk on the street and we see all these other women and how mm. perfect they are and yeah. how beautiful they are and yes. how their lives must be so great. And I'm in a dark place. And when I started realizing the more clients that I took on is that everybody that walked into my studio had something. Yeah. Everybody has something that going on that they're dealing with. And they would say to me things like, you know, I have these stretch marks on my legs, so I never wear a bathing suit with mm. my kids on the beach and they swim and I don't get to swim with them. Yeah. And I'm like, you're amazing. Like who's even looking at your stretch marks? Right. Like if people look at you and only see your stretch mark, like that's, they're missing something, you, don't want you know, those people around anyway. It, correct. So right. I it started, I started saying to myself, you know what, I'm going to take my cover up off and I'm going to go in the pool and I don't really give a crap if anybody yeah. sees my stretch marks or my right. cellulite or whatever. Sure. So it started sort of changing my life a little bit and my perspective on things. And that's what's drawn me to it for all these years is just the beauty behind all of that. And um, now, like I said, I'm in my ninth year and this year I'm more grateful for it than I've ever been. Yeah. Um, back in July, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, stage 2B breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was diagnosed on July 12th and on August 2nd, I had a double mastectomy. Mm -hmm. So now... Now I'm in an interesting situation where I'm a boudoir photographer with no boobs. <laughs> I mean, and I know that that sounds, okay. you know, it sounds, it sounds crazy, but now, you know, I was really afraid, you know, am I going to be able to work again? Am I going to be able to, um, be with women that are whole, you yeah. know, and come in and say, well, oh, I hate my body. I'm so that, you know, right. and I'm thinking really, yeah, honestly, <laughs> you hate your body. My body hates me. Right. How about that? Like, right. <laughs> you know, my body's been trying to attack me for years. Right. So, um, I am undergoing reconstruction. I actually have surgery in two weeks from mm -hmm. now um, to finish my reconstruction. Mm -hmm. So to everybody else in the world, I will look whole. Right. Um, but I was really nervous about work and I wasn't able to work for about six weeks. Um, and then I started undergoing chemotherapy. So I was working on and off during chemo because chemo would be every other week. So the yeah. weeks that I had chemo, I was just leveled. And the weeks I had off, I would try to get some shooting in and, and working with um, anybody, you know, that I could work with and do anything to keep me busy, to keep me distracted. Um, and it's been amazing because it's brought some amazing people into my life. Yeah. And um, by the way, I, I want to reverse and tell you, I did have a second child, by the way. So oh. after, after... I discovered photography and I started my business and you stop thinking about getting pregnant. What happens is you get pregnant. And you got, then it happens. <laughs> and it right. happens. Um, so, you know, I have two kids now and, and yeah. they've been, you know, really supportive through all of this. And, um, I've discovered that boudoir photography is even more meaningful and more important yes. to me now than yep. it ever has been. Yeah. Where, where are you with the cancer now? Is it, I mean, is it, so technically, um, it was removed when I had surgery right. and the uh, chemotherapy was a preventative measure just in case they missed anything sure. to, you know, make sure hopefully it doesn't come back. Right. So, um, I'm, I'm on a medication that I'll be taking for 10 years. That's also my cancer is estrogen fed and hormone fed. So the medication blocks all of that from the cells. So for 10 years, at least you need to take that so that hopefully the cancer, if there is a cancer cell in my body, it won't be eating, it won't have food basically right. to grow. Right. Um, so, you know, at this point we just um heal and hope and pray that it's never going to come back what was it like when you first found out um confusing is the yeah. word that i want to use because um 
I always thought before I had cancer that if I got diagnosed with cancer, it would be devastating, right? Yeah. Like your life would never be the same. And it, right. it is very much that, by the way. I'm very much in the depths of that right now. But when you first get diagnosed with cancer, that is not what you're thinking about. All you're thinking about is what do I do now? What kind of action am I going to take? What am I going to do? How do I beat this? And in that week time, about a week time between when you get diagnosed, when you actually see a doctor is the craziest, darkest, most roller coaster ride of your entire life. Is is part of it that you don't, you don't know because you don't know anything except for the fact that you have cancer. Right. So you don't know. Yes. You don't know if it's in one spot, if it's in your whole body, what stage you're at, is it curable? Am I, are you going to have a lumpectomy? Am I going to have surgery? Am I, you know, like, am I going to need chemotherapy? Like you start going through this deep, dark tunnel of, of, you know, what is my life going to be like? Um, the minute that it's the probably it was, it's the second hardest time I'm going to say, then you see a doctor and they say, this is the plan or, or, and, Ironically, with cancer, they don't say to you, this is the plan. They say, these are the options. Which would you like? <laughs> it's like a showroom. I'm like... Door number one or number uh, right, two. Right. Like, number aren't three, you right. supposed to tell me what yeah, I want? that's you what know? goes through my mind, just listening. That's right. So they give you the options. Um, so... I chose a mastectomy, a double mastectomy. It really wasn't an option. It was really the best option and the only option. And I was actually very grateful that I did it because um, she let me know that my right breast, as in her words, were you were littered with cancer. And in my left breast, there were markers of cancer starting in my left right. breast as well. So right. I, but I was like, you take it, have it all. Yeah. I don't need it anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing this again. I understand. Um, so once you have an action plan, it's actually not as bad because you're busy. You're like, I'm going to doctors and I'm right. going to do this and I'm fighting it. And it's something you're doing, you're something, doing something about something. it. You're right. doing something. Okay. The minute you stop doing something, it gets hard again. It gets hard again. So after Why do you stop doing something, well, because I had my mastectomy and right. then, um, I did chemotherapy okay. and then chemotherapy was over and I thought, okay, well now I'm going to go back to my real life. You know, oh, you get to the end of the plan, you get to the end of the plan. Like you did all that stuff. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to go back to real life. And then it gets, it gets hard again gets because hard you again. don't have that stuff that you're doing. Well, it's, it's like this. This is the best way I can describe it. Pretend like you are living in Oklahoma and you hear a tornado siren. So you yeah. leave your house and you, you know, you go to shelter yeah. and then the tornado comes and then you, it levels your house and yeah. then you come out of the shelter and you try to live in that house after. Right. You can't. You nope. just can't. So cancer comes in and it levels your house. You know, whatever that might be. It's your life. And and it's even a little bit harder for, for in my experience, because everybody else in my house, even though they've had their own experiences with supporting a cancer patient, right? Um, they're still sort of living their normal lives or what they know is a normal and I'm not. Yeah. So it, it's, um, it's tough. It's really a tough place to find like, okay, well now I have to like get comfortable again you know, you're just a changed person. You're just a change. Every little thing you cough, you go, Oh my God, I hope it's not in my lungs. You know, oh, you, yeah, it's like it, everything is like paranoia. And mm-hmm. what if it happens again? You almost feel like you need a plan. Like what if it happens again? And then the other side of your mind goes, it's not going to happen again. Right. You have to think positive. You're doing everything you can and you have to live your life right now. Because the truth is, and when I go through these dark moments, I remind myself, all we all have is today. Yeah. Right. Like, I, you know, if somebody didn't have cancer, it doesn't mean they can't walk out in the street and get hit by a car tomorrow. Tomorrow's not guaranteed doesn't mean I can't anybody. get, you know, right. tomorrow's not guaranteed to anybody. Yeah. So when I go down those dark moments, I have to pull myself out and go, okay, it's not guaranteed for anybody. Just enjoy your day today. So maybe this comes down to the crux. How is Jen Rosenbaum different today <laughs> as a person and a mm-hmm. photographer mm. 
than she was a year ago? Oof. I, um, I'm still figuring that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely make change, make decisions differently for sure. Um, that bucket list that I've been keeping tabs on for like when my kids graduate, yeah. we're starting on that now, <laughs> you know, like I was like, we're not waiting anymore on that one. Yeah. Cause you know, yeah. um, and not because I don't know how much time I have left, but because we all don't know how much time right. we have left. So let's start working on that bucket right. list now. Um, I certainly spend more time doing the things that I love and not doing the things I don't love. Um, all those, all those situations I'm sure you've talked about in all these other podcasts, right? Yeah. Like problem clients and right. jobs you don't want to take. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, really? like, I just don't like if I am not feeling a client, I'm not taking her. If I, you know, if I don't want to do whatever somebody's asking me to do, I just say, thank you. No, thank you. You know, I can't waste my time anymore doing things that I don't love. And, um, the things that I do love and the things I want to do are being amplified in my life. For You're sure. embracing them even more. Yeah. So or is it, is it also like a stop and smell the roses more too? I mean, I'm working on that one. I'm not good at that one. (laughs) That's why I ask. I didn't even know we had a couch in my house (laughs) until I had chemotherapy and needed to lay on it. And I was like, wow, this is a comfy couch. How long have we had this one? Mm -hmm. Um, Almost quite literally, because I am very type A, go, go, go. I do not know how to sit. I do not know how to relax. Um, I am, I actually, after I finished chemotherapy, I came out of the gates running. I, the, few weeks after I was in Vegas working the CES show and, yeah. and I was shooting clients and yeah. I, and, um, about like a week ago I was like, I'm really tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really tired. So after this, when I have my surgery, I'm going to give myself a little bit of downtime. So you're going to have your surgery in a couple of weeks and then you're going to take some time off and relax back on that couch again. A, a little <laughs> may, Well, get to know the couch again. Yeah. Maybe I'll relax. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm not hard. so good at that. I'm not yeah. good at that. So that's essentially what's next for you. Yeah. And then do you look past that? Yes and no. You know, I mean, what's I, a, what's a, what's the, what's a business plan for the year look like for you these days? I yeah. mean, like you have, this is a big deal coming up Yeah. and then the recovery after that is going to be whatever it is. Yes. Con- considering your, your personality. Yeah. Right. Right. Doctor says four to six weeks. I hear four to six days. That's, yeah. That sounds good. I bet. <laughs> yeah. I, I bet that is true. It is true. <laughs> So do you, so do you go past that in your mind even, or, or are you just looking at what's in front of you right now? Yeah. There's a, there's a, uh, internal struggle of, um, mm-hmm. I want to just enjoy today, but I do also want to plan for tomorrow in right. hopes that I will be there to do it. <laughs> so, you know, there is a little bit of that, but I do have plans for this year. I, I am actually starting a podcast as well. Really? Uh, yeah. Awesome. That's my, that's my recovery plan. So Good. if I can't shoot, I'm going to sit around and Record podcasts. <laughs> Good. I, I can give you a couple pointers. I, awesome. I've learned quite a bit myself in the awesome. last couple months. Yeah. So what do you have to say? Let's, let's, let's finish with this. What do you have to say to women out there that are, that are struggling, um, especially with how they view themselves? Because I, hmm, permit me to say this. I feel as though there have been some positives to your struggles. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I feel as though that you've been really strengthened because I knew you a bit beforehand. You mm-hmm. were, you were pretty strong mm-hmm. beforehand. Thank you. And now I, I feel like I'm sitting with Wonder Woman in <laughs> the same you. room. Really? Like it's, it just, it emanates you know, you out of me. <laughs> well, you say in the things that you say, like, I don't have, I don't have time for that. I'm just not going to do that. It's, I, I can see that that's very true about yeah. you. And I, I really admire that. Thank you. So for someone that hasn't 
had the gift of your struggles for Mm -hmm. lack of a better term. Mm. What do you have to say to them if they're, if they are currently struggling with who Mm. they are and where they're at? I think struggle is a really beautiful thing. Mm. And believe me, I say this from a a place of um, great angst because I'm (laughs) in the struggle at the moment and it's very difficult, Mm -hmm. but I, I've always said, if you can push through the pain, there's always beauty on the other side. Yeah. It has been proven to me again and again and again in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. Mm. I mean, when you look at any great story of anybody amazing in this world, they were never like, I had the most amazing life. It was easy yeah. and I was <laughs> rich and it true. was and it was healthy. Right. Everybody that is powerful and knows themselves and is influential and strong has gone through some sort of struggle in their life and they've embraced that struggle and it's created who they are. Mm. And I know also in my dark moments, I say to myself, this is the best gift that has ever happened to me. Mm. It's just a matter of what I do with it. And so I have a choice. I can either shrivel up on the couch and, and give into it, or I can say, no, I'm going to take what I've learned from this and I'm going to go out and I'm going to spread the message to other women. I'm going to teach other women how to take care of their bodies. Cause I found my cancer, by the way, my doctor did not um, even, oh, even, yeah, yeah, even after being monitored every six months, really, um, mm-hmm, I was the one that found it. So it didn't show up on mammograms. It was, and it was a big mass. I actually had two masses in my right breast and it doesn't show up in mammograms. It's a, my type of cancer is called invasive lobular carcinoma. And it's a very sneaky cancer because it doesn't form a tumor. It's missing like a protein. So it grows in the lobules. Oh my. So it doesn't feel like what you're taught to feel your entire life. So the first thing I did when I was diagnosed is I went on Facebook and I told every woman, you know, I said, share this with every woman, you know, nobody's told us this, you know? Um, and I just think that that's a gift. If I could save another woman's life, Mm -hmm. then my disease has purpose and disease without purpose is just disease, you know? So find purpose in your struggle. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank the, you. I'm, I'm uplifted today. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this, that, so we're at WPPI in Las Vegas and you are my 12th and final interview. And I can say with assurance that I saved the best for last. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thanks for doing this with me. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for having Have me. Have a great rest of the trip. Thank you.